Hello and welcome to Genetically Speaking. In our first season, we delved into the careers of our members within the American Society of Human Genetics. We had great conversations with genetic counselors, researchers, educators, clinicians, and more. We were able to explore their unique journeys and the impact they've made in the world of human genetics and genomics. If this is the first time you're tuning in, welcome and we're glad to have you here. For our repeat listeners, welcome back. I hope you hear something new that stays with you. Thanks for joining us in revisiting Season 1 of Genetically Speaking. Welcome to the ASHG podcast and audio stories. My name is uh, Dr. Chris Gunter. I'm your host, and today we're joined by Somia Sisodia from Baylor College of Medicine. She is a trainee in the uh, lab of Dr. Sharon Plon, who is wonderful. We were discussing about how wonderful she is. So, Sylvia, thank you so much for joining us today. I understand you're here in the ASHG offices because you're here for the Career Development Committee meetings. So, can you start off just by telling me a little about you and what you do and what your research is focusing on right now? Yeah. Uh, so, thank you so much for having me. It's very exciting to be interviewed by you. <laughs> um, I uh, am currently a fifth-year PhD student in the Genetics and Genomics program at Bay College of Medicine. Uh, and I'm in the lab of Dr. Sharon Plon, as you just mentioned and we are a pediatric cancer genomics lab. Uh, and so my project specifically focuses on kids who are born with specific birth defects, and they're going to be at a high risk for de developing specific childhood cancers. Yeah. So my project is all about understanding the genetic basis of this association. So the first part of my project was, you know, doing uh, analysis of the whole genome sequencing data of these patients and uh, their families. And then the second part is functionally characterizing these variants and their role in childhood cancer. That's so interesting. Yeah. And are you actually able to see the families and work with them or are you mostly working in the lab? Uh, just in the lab. Yeah. It's yeah. hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I remember that from being a graduate student. I'm learning going and see the families. But, you know, there's a reason they don't just let anybody walk in off the street yet. <laughs> so, that's how it goes. So how did you decide on human genetics, Dr. Plant's lab? How do you decide on this course? Yeah. So um, I think we can start with, like, how did I decide about Baylor uh -huh. like when I was applying to grad school? So um, I think I wanted to get advanced training in genetics, and I wanted to come to the U.S. because of the the PIs that I worked under when I was in India during my undergrad, they had done their postdoctoral training in the US. Okay. And I was just very impressed by the breadth of knowledge that they had. And I was like, well, I want to get to that position. Because India is a great place for genetics, right? It's really new genetics, too. That's right. Cool. Yeah. Uh, and then, so, and one of them had actually done their postdoctoral training at Baylor. So that's how I came to know about Baylor. And then I did my own research and I was like, well, Baylor had a huge variety of like, genetics going on. So you have people who do neurogenetics, reproductive genetic can cancer, and like all sorts of different things, along with being one of the institutes that was involved in the human genome sequencing project. So I was like, well, this is where I would love to be if they select me, and they did. And so that was very exciting. Um, and then when I was looking for labs to rotate in, I have to say, like, I chose three labs. Um, I At that time, I hadn't decided that I would join Dr. Plan's lab. But I think what impressed me the most was her mentorship uh, and just the supportive environment that was there. The science was great in all the three rotations that I did, but I think the support that I saw students getting in her lab, I was like, that's the kind of mentorship I want. And I think I had prioritized mentor mentoring and mentorship as one of the things that I want out of my PhD. And I was like, this lab satisfies that requirement. So 
That's so how I decided. So it sounds like then you didn't necessarily specifically know in advance that you wanted to work on cancer. Mm-hmm. You just knew you wanted to do human genetics, it sounds like. Right. Yeah. Yes. That's great. I almost was like that Baylor. So yeah, I agree. It is a totally different. And that was, you know, like last week almost, but no. <laughs> but that's exactly. So uh, that's really cool. So then how big is the lab? How many people are there? And It's a small lab. Uh, so currently, so at the time when I had joined, there were three students. And now we, we just got one more student. So now we are three students again, like the two students when I had joined have graduated since. One of them is Nanak. Oh, he, oh yeah, he was on our committee. Yes. The uh, all night programs of professional education. He's great. And he's on Twitter. We're going to come back to Twitter. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So, um, yeah. So it's three students and then we have a lab manager and then we have two staff scientists who work on Kinjin. So that's another consortium that Dr. Plan is a part of. And because she's a clinician, there are genetic counselors also who work. So it's a kind of it's a small lab, the research part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. great. And so now looking back now with all your wisdom from five years, right? <laughs> so what, is there anything that you would do differently or is there anything you would tell yourself looking back when you were looking at labs or deciding where to go? Um, I mean, I th- I have to say, I think I got lucky as far as like realizing that I want to prioritize mentorship as the basis of choosing the lab. Um, I don't... Um, I think going back, if I had to give advice to somebody else who was tweeting, I would tell them to prioritize this. I don't think anyone told me. Uh, and when I was basing my decision of joining the lab on this, I wasn't sure if this was going to be the best decision. But I, yeah, five days down the line, yes, it was. It, it so was. Like, I hear all kinds of stories on Twitter, and I feel so grateful. Uh, so... I think going back, I, I wouldn't do anything differently, but I, I would definitely advise students that in addition to science, focus on the mentor. You're investing six years of your life as a very, sometimes as a very young student, yeah. and you want to be in a nurturing environment. Absolutely, because the science, as we all know, fails, right? That's why we call it research, because yes. we have to repeat it over and over. But th- that that quality of having a good relationship and having a mentoring stays, right? That's the mm-hmm. of everything. Yeah, and I've seen like... Uh, the alumni who have graduated from the lab and who have chosen to stay in touch with the lab, I, it's just amazing the relationship that they have with Dr. Blonde and with the current students. So, yeah, and I, I love that. <laughs> and you will have, like, I go back to reunions for my PhD program, again, the week before last, but right, exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah, at ASHD, too. I mean, it's really great net, that networking to have. Yeah. So great. And so you um, set, uh, you land on Dr. Plan, which is great. Did, were you specifically looking for a women, for a female mentor as well, or? Uh, not really. Okay. But I am so glad, again, yeah. uh, that I chose this. Uh, I have to say, so when I was coming through India, um, I think the thing that, the idea that was hammered into me was like, focus on the science. Yeah. Nothing was told to me about gender roles. Nothing was told to me about women in science. I was exposed to a lot of it on Twitter and through hearing stories through other people. And and now I am so glad I am in the lab of um, a woman who is such a strong leader. And, and is on Twitter also. And is on yeah. Twitter. Yep. And she stands up for what she believes. And, and I, I, I used to be a very shy person and trying to break out of that. <laughs> And it's nice to have somebody like her to look up to and to learn from. And I've seen other women who work with her and I've seen how they have evolved and how much they respect each other and how much they respect her. And so it's a very uh, nurturing environment as women in science to just like, you know, 
feel that vibe off of each other and uh, learn to mutually respect everyone and um, stand up for what you believe in. Yeah. That's oh, you're making me all verbalize that. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so we've talked about Twitter a few times. Yes. So I'm very excited. You follow me on Twitter. I, I so this is, I know you're, you won't tell anybody this. So I, I, I've, I've come to the point where you can only follow so many people on Twitter. So instead, I use that program TweetDeck and put people in lists. So I have you on one of my lists. So oh, I can actually see tweets that are coming across. I know. So tell me what you get out of Twitter. What do you use for? Oh, okay. So initially when I joined Twitter, it was because of how much, um, because it got mentioned in lab meetings a couple of times because Nanad, you had used to be on, was is still on Twitter and Dr. Pran is on Twitter. And he used to do these like sketch notes for all these talks that he was attending. He just did one for our webinar for you guys. It was amazing. I know, right? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not that creative. So I'm like, okay, I will never be able to get that. But I was like, well, out of from being on Twitter, I was able to uh, not develop a relationship with a lot of the people, but at least get to know them yeah. and get to see how they interact with people. So I can give you an example. So for example, I... Uh, attended a workshop at Baylor, uh, which was on career development. And in that, we were given an assignment to do a 10-minute informational interview with someone and with someone in the field that we want to be in or we want to be like them. And so I was like, well, um, I had seen her. I follow her with Malik on Twitter. Um, He's amazing. I know, right? He's and, amazing. Uh, Two days after our information interview, I'm skipping parts. Yeah. I became part of National Academy of yeah. Medicine. And I was like, oh, my God, I talked to him. Like, you got in early. I know. I'd Like two days ago. Uh, so anyway, so I used Twitter to break ice. And when I was sending this cold email to him, I want to conduct an information interview. Within a few hours, heard back from him. We did an amazing interview. And it was just great to get career advice from a guy that I look up to. So... And I've done that with several other PIs. I've done that with Clement Chow, with Michael Hoffman, and all of that. They're both awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. See, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And is there anyone that you follow on Twitter that you totally love to meet in person besides our mate, who's amazing? Um, I really wanted to meet you. <laughs> and I, I, when I saw that you interviewed, I was like, oh my God, this is, this is like, <laughs> Four people that I wanted to meet. And yes, check, 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 check. See, there you go. Some goal accomplished. So, okay, anyone else that you want to meet? Uh, I can help make intros. Oh, my God. Yeah. I would love to meet. Um, okay, this is going to be ambitious. I would yeah. love to meet your new boss. Uh, Eric. Eric Green. Yeah, come on over. He's at my office is right next door to his. Anytime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you should have seen. He was posting from, we, well, A, we just got him to be on Twitter, which is mm -hmm. a lot of fun. So I had to introduce him to the concept of hashtags recently. Oh, wow. And we were also trying to teach him about memes, which was, I, I would say, we make success. <laughs> so we were trying to teach him about Baby Yoda. Our, our oh. communications director, Sarah Bates, was doing that and because I'm totally into Baby Yoda, right? So I don't think he gets it, but we're, you know, baby steps. We're in the heat. That's great. Yeah, I, excellent. Okay. That's great. Yeah. I saw a recent tweet from him and I was like, uh, yeah, he's getting get great coaching from Chris Nettery. Yeah, well, and, and Sarah and then Dan yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. So tell me about then the Career Development Committee because you serve on that committee. So you're, it, it, I, I think... It's such a great opportunity for trainees to be part of ASHG. So how do you feel about it? And any advice for trainees who want to be on it? Or? Mm -hmm. um, I think I would advise all trainees out there who are working in genetics, just become an ASHG member. Uh, it is not intuitive. It may sound very intimidating. It is a great opportunity. You get to meet with so many people from 
so many different sub specialities of genetics and you feel less and less intimidated by them i think it really breaks down walls uh because i think as a graduate student sometimes you know when experiments are failing in the lab you're like oh my god i'm good for nothing and so hard and then it's nice to be a part of a community that extends beyond your lab beyond your science where you can be involved like as a person where your science doesn't define you you know and i think peer development is like i'm in my 50th year like i said and it uh, i'm using it right now to like pave my own path and so i know how important it is and so i would i that's why i wanted to be a part of this committee early on so that i can help trainees who are just starting out in grad school or who are undergrads and really help guide them with whatever limited experience i have to make the best decisions they can and to also leverage experiences of people on my committee and make better decisions myself so yeah yeah there's so much going on okay so you mentioned your path so what's next for you then i want to uh stay in the traditional academic path for now uh so i want to do a traditional postdoc in the academic setting i'm still not sure in what topic i still want to stay in genetics yeah. um i'm not sure which like there's just so many exciting things going on in genetics right now it's like every talk that i attend excites me so i am finding it hard to focus but i think as as i get towards the end of my phd i think i'll have a clear idea of yeah which lab do i want to go to so yeah and well and in my experience of being a postdoc really helped me focus so i was a good graduate student because i think there's structure and there's an out like that you can see the light right. and tunnel and you have a goal just get out get out get out that's your goal <laughs> but i actually was not a great postdoc i had a hard time because i kind of floundered because i went into a postdoc even though i didn't think i wanted to be a traditional academic and a year in a postdoc i was like yeah i definitely don't want to be a traditional academic <laughs> what do i do now right but, so it is if you if you know you want to set up a lab postdocs are great and even if you think you're going to stay in science i mean i'm really glad i did one but I just want to say it is totally normal to after a year in a postdoc be like, I this is not for me. Yeah. Right? Then you really do learn all kind of different stuff. So, for example, in my um, graduate lab, we were taught that um, to run sequencing gels, which we did at the time. I know you don't know what that is, but no. Uh, we had to use 10x TBE and we had to make our own stock. And that was the only buffer we could use. And gels would not work otherwise. And they would catch on fire and blah, blah, blah. And I walked into my postdoc lab and they had a giant communal vat, like everybody shared it. And it was T-A-E. And I was like, what is this? It's total heresy, right? So if nothing else, you learn all kind of different stuff. That mm-hmm. happens with your science where yeah, it's really different. And it's okay to be interested in lots of different stuff. I think that's okay, right? Yeah. At some point, you do have to build a lab and you have to focus if that's what you want to do. But mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So that's actually how I knew I wanted to be a journal editor. That's how I went into journal editing is... Again, in my postdoc, I was just like, I, I don't, I'm not interested in this tiny speck of that. That's not what I want to do. And so, safe. Yeah. yeah. You have plenty of room, plenty of time. Well, I would say one of the themes that has emerged from the interviews I've been doing with everybody is kind of the twisty path. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, almost no one that I've interviewed so far has had a straight path. It's safe. It's a twisty path, which is really cool. I think that's cool. Yeah. I'm hoping that I don't have to like make the final decision of for the next 10 years. Like, you don't. You don't, you know, like you just I, I think that's a trap that trees get into. Mm-hmm. It's so hard because that's what it seems like you have to do. No, man, I never thought ever I would be in academia. Like going back in academia, mm-hmm. my last position was at Emory. I was like, I'm not going to be a PI, blah, blah, blah. I'm not moving back to Atlanta because that's where I'm from. Yeah, that's where I ended up, right? So, yeah, I can use to know. So for me, it's worked out basically kind of. So, right. Yeah, and that's, that's all good. It's all good. It's good so, to know. 
Thank you. So, okay, so I know you spend all your time in the lab because you're a grad student. You're there, <laughs> that's what you do. But if you're ever not in the lab, do you have any hobbies or anything outside of work? That That's funny you mentioned that. Uh, so I don't want it to sound like I don't have hobbies because I'm in grad school. Of course. I My mother like tried so hard <laughs> to get me to do stuff. So like she made me join like cooking classes back in India, like piano lessons, calligraphy. Uh, I don't know, all sorts of things. My younger sister picked all of it up. And she is, she is this creative energy. And she's doing architecture now uh, back home. But I'm just, I was like, no, I just want to study. Like, I love science. I, I just want to do I love science. It's all good. But the cooking, I mean, in a way, cooking is like science, right? I hate cooking. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so confused. I'm like, why don't I like this? This should be like doing experiments, but I feel like I do enough of it in the lab that I'm like, you're not. So are you a baker then? Do you like I'm, If there are like clear cut instructions. Okay. So that's, yes. so, okay. So that's in my postdoc lab. It was clear that there are two types of people. So the molecular biologists are chefs because they're like, whatever, I'll just throw a little of this in and I'll just throw a little of this in. It's fine. Whatever. Whereas I was more like a cytogenesis. I have to do things for eight minutes exactly. And it's not 802. It's eight minutes exactly. And then you have to yes. turn it over this way and you have to do. So that's, I'm a baker. Okay. Right. Because yes. you have to do things for exactly. Mm-hmm. So see, you do like some. <laughs> I I love watching shows on Netflix. I, I'm not allowed to say that. The Great British Bake Off. Oh, I see. Exactly. It's, okay. It's, when the next one comes me. out, we'll have a binge session. Yes. Twitter, totally. Let's do it. I love This is great. <laughs> So, so uh, I'm going to wrap us up. Thank you very much. I've been your host, uh, Dr. Chris Gunner, and I've been joined by Sonia Sisodia from Baylor. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Genetically Speaking. Join us again next week for another episode.